You're listening to The Honest Report. A weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. Here's your host, Rob Walker. This is Thursday, February 3rd. I'm Robert Walker, and welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Today, our guest is Bassem Eid. He's a Palestinian living in Israel who has an extensive career as a Palestinian human rights activist. His initial focus was on human rights violations committed by Israeli armed forces, but for many years, he broadened his research to include human rights violations committed by the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinian armed forces on their own people. In 1996, he founded the Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group, although it ceased operations in 2011. And today he now works as a political analyst for Israeli television and radio, and of course as a guest speaker all around the world. Bassem, welcome. Nice meeting you, thank you. Likewise. So tell us, uh, you know, tell us about your original career. I didn't realize that your original career, or you were sort of working with a microscope on, uh, you know, sort of on Israel. What uh, what prompted that change 25 years ago to uh, to pivot to uh, abuse on the Palestinian Authority? As you might know, after the uh, uh, September 1993, after the signing of the peace agreement between the PLO and Israel and the PLO entered to the territories uh, in May 1994, I noticed that so many violations of human rights committed by the Palestinian security forces against the Palestinians. And that's the main reason why I shifted from documenting the Israeli uh, human rights violation to the Palestinian Authority human rights violations. In that time, as I realized that there is no one Palestinian organization try to interfere in the violations committed by the Palestinian Authority against the Palestinians. And that's the main reason why I shifted my work from documenting the Israeli violations to the Palestinian Authority violations. Now, as you know, of course, and no doubt, I mean, obviously living in Jerusalem, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that Israel is without, uh, without faults and without flaws, but certainly there's, uh, there's a tremendous uh, focus on Israel's, uh, uh, on, on the challenges and then the mistakes that it makes, whether internally uh, or through certainly, uh, you know, dozens of uh, uh, Western funded uh, NGOs that are only too happy to focus on that. But in the Palestinian Authority, what kind of oversight is there uh, because, of course, there is no internal mechanism, or is there, Basim, um, in terms of making sure the Palestinian Authority doesn't uh, abuse uh, its, uh, uh, you know, its power on its own people? Yeah, see, I, I believe that the Palestinian Authority still have the mechanism uh, to defend uh, the rights of their own people. And that uh, came out through the independent charter in 1988 in Algiers, while the Arafat in that time stated that the Palestinian state is going to respect and to encourage uh, the, the, the human rights uh, issues. I think that uh, the EU in the meantime, trying all the time to encourage the Palestinian Authority to respect the rights of the people. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, 
I don't think that the international community is trying to put enough energy uh, on the Palestinian Authority towards the human rights issue. And no doubt that the international community right now are much more busy with the Israeli violations rather than the Palestinian Authority violations. If you will take the EU these days, the EU already giving a huge budget to the Israeli human rights organization to document the Israeli violations rather than the budget that they are giving to the Palestinian organizations to document the Palestinian Authority violation. And that's, you know, a, a, the double standard of the international community is really, a, I'm feeling really very sorry about it. And I didn't see that the international community is trying to focus more and more on the violations committed by the Palestinian Authority and its security forces. But why do you think that is? Why is there more focus on, uh, you know, this is this question can be asked with anything almost related to Israel and the Palestinians, but why is there so much less focus on human rights violations in the PA? See, we used to say, uh, Robert, uh, no Jews, no news. And uh, looks like to me that Europe is getting back, uh, uh, back where to its own history, which is the anti-Semitism. I think that the anti-Semitism founded in Europe and looks like sometimes to me that Europe is trying to use the Palestinian Authority against Israel. And this is how we are seeing the things right now. It's very clear how much the EU supporting the Palestinian Authority in the same time while the Palestinian Authority is trying to incite for violence more and more. And that's looking very a music thing to the earrings of the Europeans. Unfortunately, the Americans in the meantime, I didn't see that the American administration trying to change the current situation these days, look to the curriculum of UNRWA as an example, how it is inciting for violence. And no one until today trying to bring any changes towards that curriculum. Don't forget that that curriculum of UNRWA is supported 100% by the EU and some other European countries. And Canada is also giving certainly tens of millions to uh, to others as well. A lot of well. money, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Canada and Australia also. So, so really, the question sort of coming up, uh, it, which is, if Israel is committed, you know, publicly and privately to a two-state solution, uh, certainly the Palestinian uh, leadership and the Palestinian Authority ostensibly wants a Palestinian state, and certainly Western donor countries to UNRWA presumably want the same also. But is there not a recognition that as long as you continue to allow this incitement, um, in, you know, uh, to the Palestinian people, um, that you're really poisoning the future and preventing any future Palestinian state? Um, what is their view on that? What's your view on that? Why is that being allowed to fester? See, Robert, I must have to tell you uh, the truth. The truth is that the Palestinian Authority is totally against the two-state solution. And the Palestinian Authority is in favor in a three-state solution for two people. 
Hamas is defending its own Islamic Emirate in the Gaza Strip. Abbas is defending his own empire in the West Bank and the state of Israel. This is how we are living, let's say, in the past uh, probably 12 years, and looks like that everyone is so satisfied with his own. I don't think that the two-state solution is relevant today. I don't think that the Palestinian Authority or the Hamas will agree on it. And if the Palestinian Authority and the Hamas are agreed on the two-state solution, I want to see the unity tomorrow morning between Fatah and Hamas, West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So you understand, I mean, certainly that makes sense in terms of the Palestinian Authority's uh, lack of interest in a two-state solution. But in terms of, uh, you know, Western donor governments to the Palestinian Authority, why wouldn't they put pressure on the PA and say, listen, you know, if you want us to put pressure on Israel for a two-state, we want you to uh, uh, reform your human rights violations. Why are they not thinking in those terms? That's sort of, because they can impart a significant amount of pressure on the PA. I'm wondering why they're not doing that. I think think that the international community is so satisfied by continuing keeping their blind eyes. It's much more comfortable for the international community to continue keeping such blind eyes. I didn't see that the international community trying to put any kind of pressure on the Palestinian Authority. And I think that the international community these days are using the two-state solution as a kind of a slogan to design their own attitude and behavior towards the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But in the meantime, the international community is doing zero towards the two-state solution and towards how to convince the Palestinian Authority to accept is such kind of solution. So what hope is there for uh, for a Palestinian then? Uh, forget talking even about a Palestinian state, but in terms of living in the PA uh, with any semblance of human rights, what uh, do they have any hope? I don't think that there is any hope. I think that the Palestinians sometimes feeling so happy when Israel is talking about the annexation of some of the Palestinian territories to Israel. I think that people would love to continue living under the Israelis rather than to live under the Palestinian Authority. I think that the average salary these days in Israel is eight times more than it is under the Palestinian Authority. I didn't see that the Palestinian Authority really taking care of their own people. Look to Gaza, Robert. Look what the Hamas doing in the Gaza Strip. I used to say that we, the Palestinians, already destroyed what remains from the Israelis since their uh, disengagement from Gaza in 2005. We just destroyed Gaza instead of to rebuild Gaza. People are suffering. People are used as a human shield by the Hamas. I used to say in some articles in the past that Israel is using its rockets to protect its people while the Hamas using his people 
to protect his rockets. I mean, certainly any, any observer, absolutely, you're right, looking at uh, Hamas, particularly in the last uh, war last spring, would see that. Uh, you recently, I want to pivot back to what you just uh, just mentioned. You wrote a piece um, in the Times of Israel on December 22nd, uh, just about a month ago, um, and it was called Israel, the best place to be an Arab. And, and you talked about exactly that, where uh, life for Arabs and, and Muslims in Israel is better than it is anywhere else in the uh, uh, in the region. Do you think that that is a view that is becoming more widespread now or because of longstanding you know, hostility to Israel, that's gonna be a very tough nut to crack? I believe, Robert, that the majority of the Israeli Arabs almost recognized their situation under the Israelis. Most of the Israeli Arabs recognize that their lives under the Israelis is much better than any other Arab country. Listen, I was in Jordan, I was in Syria, I was in Lebanon, and I saw how the Palestinians are living over there. It's horrible. I couldn't describe the situation over there. While we are in Israel, are so free, we can do whatever we want go to the biggest departments in Israel, in hospitals, in high tech, wherever you go, you will find Arabs over there. If you will go to Lebanon, you will never see in any official office, any Palestinian working there. So I think that the majority of the Israeli Arabs knows well that their situation under the Israelis much better than under any other Arab country around the world. So if that's the case, what is the view then, and you've described a situation where uh, an increasing number of Palestinians in the Palestinian Authority are seeing this as well. Is the Palestinian Authority fearful then of its heavy-handed approach that it's going to lose popular support among its own people? Or is its alternative just to sort of crank it tighter? I think that the Palestinian Authority already lost its own people. I think that the only one who is supporting the Palestinian Authority these days is the international community and especially Europe. And now we have the new American administration, President Biden. Uh, don't forget that two months ago, there was a survey in the West Bank. Over than 80% of the Palestinians asked Abbas to resign. Abbas is an old man. Abbas couldn't control anything right now. Abbas is thinking about the past rather than thinking about the future. And this is one of the major problems of the Palestinians. Look, yesterday, the Central Committee of Fatah yesterday elected Abbas as a president. As I know, that the president only elected by his own people, not by a Central Committee of 20 people. So yesterday, there was a meeting for the Central Committee in Ramallah, and Abbas was elected as a president. I want to see, you know, the president of France, Micron, picking up the telephone by saying to Abbas, what a joke is that? I want to see the Chancellor of Germany picking up the telephone, talking to Abbas, which joke is that? You see, this is our problem. Our problem is that we became between the, the hammer and the anvil, the hammer of the Palestinian Authority and the anvil of the international community.
Well, uh, listen, this has been a fascinating discussion, uh, Basim. And um, listen, you're not painting, obviously, a particularly optimistic picture of, uh, of the Palestinian Authority. But um, one hopes, I suppose, that uh, with Israel's continued not just uh, expansion, you know, in terms of high tech and uh, and economically, but also in terms of relations with its Arab neighbors, um, that the pressure on the Palestinian Authority uh, by its people uh, hopefully will become too much to bear. And that may just create uh, uh, the freedom needed by the Palestinian people. Do you see let's that happening? Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. So, well, listen, thank you so much for your time. I know you're an internationally sought uh, speaker and expert, so we're very grateful for your time, Basimid. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our alerts, subscribe to our podcast, leave a review. And if you like what you heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts. You can do so at honestreporting.ca slash donate. And until next time, thank you so much for listening.